Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Pros and Politics Podcast, where we are polished and poised for greatness and impact. My name is Kahala, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today as we talk to another first responder and have a real conversation about some real issues that are facing our communities and our law enforcement. Today, we have none other than my dear friend, Master Sergeant Jaron Riley with the Illinois State Police. Hey! How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Not with the how are you. I am wonderful. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for the uh, invitation. The good, no way in the world I could have passed on it. Well, thank you. That means so much. And I am so excited about having you here. Like we talked about it. We were like, let's do it. And then, of course, the whole crew is so excited about you coming on today. So, you the, know, because we go way back. The besties. <laughs> That's right. The wild bunch. Because, you know, we all mm -hmm. go way back. So, um, tell me, let's talk about how we know each other. That's always part of the episode. Um, and I thank you so much for always watching all the episodes and always giving me the feedback, but how do we know each other? What's so, your version of the story? So we probably 30 years ago, at least, if not more, which is really showing our age, we uh, actually lived a couple of blocks away from each other, uh, off of uh, State Street around 38th and 40th Street. And then we went to high school together at mm -hmm. the same time. I think I was a, I was a year ahead of you uh -huh. in high school. So uh, so that days predates way back to like the 90s, 94, which is why we're representing the, the 90s okay. today. With the Wu-Tang <laughs> and the Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you, by the way. I but, love it. I absolutely love it. But yeah, so we go back to the... Uh, State Street of the 89 blocks, 38th and 40th. And then, like you said, Lincoln Senior High School. And I mean, I remember coming to your high school or your college graduation, mm -hmm. riding with your sisters to your college graduation. And I remember like we had lost touch for a stint for a little bit of time, not very long. And you were living in Springfield and you heard all the way in Springfield that my father passed away. Right. And I'm sitting there on that front pew, just devastated. And people are doing their part in view. And I see you walk by with a suit on. And I'm like, how did he even know? But you were like, when I heard your dad passed away, I had to be there. So like you said, we go way back. And I appreciate the support. And I'm always going to support you and whatever you're doing. I know you be like, what I'm doing is not. But I do. You be like, well, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a really big mm -hmm. deal what you're doing. So yeah, yeah. But now... Look at you, right? So now you're going to tell us all about you and your journey. Oh, so that's a very good question because it's the journey is the journey. So there's so many things and stories that if I try to tell like a piece of it, I would miss. I would just leave out so much. So what I'll try to tell you as best I possibly can is where I'm currently as with the state police right now. I've been with the state police for about 14 years now, and as I try to work my way backwards, um, I went to college. Uh, which helped me and catapulted me into the position I'm in now to state police. And I also was in the military too. 
and then of course the the baseline of foundation was was Lincoln Senior High, which you know between the good core friends and the good teachers and and administrators and coaches that like helped raise me and develop me and my family too throughout life is how I ended up in the position to be fortunate that I'm in today. And it's an amazing position that you're in. And I will say this, and I'm going to say it for the people in the front and the people in the back. I've had a lot of interaction with the Illinois State Police um, and even more so in my current position for the last about 14 months. And I mean, just such nice guys, right? Just very professional. Like I always feel safe when they guard in the room. Like mm-hmm. they don't talk, you know, they just almost like a post on the wall, you know, but always very friendly, very professional. Um, and so I am in no way surprised that you're a part of that because just who you are. And it's funny because even talking to you, it's like if you're a doctor, you kind of are always in that doctor mode where you talk to people or a lawyer and you are always in that mode, like the, the, your jokes, like the things that you say. And again, just so you're just so relatable. And I'm sure that it obviously goes into what you do every day, which we're going to get into. So right. you are currently with a special division of the Illinois State Police, right? Yes. So tell us about that. So the division I'm in right now is with the uh, Division of Criminal Investigation, and I'm currently in a unit assigned in East St. Louis called the Public Safety Enforcement Group. Uh, that unit has been in place for almost three years now. Uh, it was one of the first units when our current director, Brendan Kelly, came into a uh, uh, place in our department that he was interested in trying to like create this initiative because he's from here, he's from the area and he was also the, the state's attorney here in the air, in St. Clair County. So very familiar with what's going on in the Metro mm-hmm. East area and specifically what's going on in East St. Louis as well. So when he and the, the team that he uh, collected uh, decided to implement this unit, they wanted to figure out what needed to be done in order to like reduce crime in addition to uh, engage the community a lot more better than had been done in the past. So uh, he created this unit. We have probably approximately 20 agents there right now. And of these agents, what we do is we we assist the St. Louis Police Department in investigating uh Violent crimes that happen in East St. Louis, where you have your your sexual sexual assault cases, your non-fatal shootings, your domestics, and your and your homicides. So what we do is we go out and we investigate these cases and try to get justice to the victims and families. Awesome. I did um, a short stint; wasn't very long. I did a short stint when I moved back home as an assistant state's attorney. And you talk about you're in the division that specializes in the East St. Louis area. So how does what is that like? Like you're from East St. Louis, you're a trooper of color, you're in this community helping because I'm not going to lie. There have been people who, oh, you were an assistant state's attorney. Mm-hmm. Like you get that, right? And so how, what is that like for you? And like, how do you navigate that? So first off, it's humbling. One being from the town uh, of East St. Louis and coming, actually coming back and working in that town um, is very humbling because the things I saw as a kid, I can now kind of like transfer and relate to them as an adult now and actually working here. So some of the things that, you know, growing up seeing as a kid that you didn't even think were crimes, you realize as a police officer, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can't do that. You know? Right. You know, one of the examples would be fights. You know, I didn't, you know, a lot of there's a lot of fighting that happens in different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of funny, you know, when you get older, you're like, you, you can go to jail for that. You know, like, yeah, you can. 
Um, for tumbling down that hill a week before. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 90s day, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, so, so working in that unit now, like I said, it is very humbling, but it is, it's a challenge because now, you know, you see that you you have you know in many cases one opportunity to get it right uh, if you have a case that comes across your desk or you get called out to, to a violent crime you have like so many opportunities to get it right so you have to come out there like 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 structured and mentally ready and prepared for any and everything's coming your way because it's so dynamic there's no there's no same thing every day when it comes to like investigating violent crimes. Nothing's the same. No people are the, no people are the same. So every outcome in every situation is always going to be looked at and it has to be different. Um, I do appreciate the fact and, and it's helped me being a native of East St. Louis because I'm able to, you know, uh, help with some of the relationships I do have with people in the community. Um, I currently as a, in addition to uh, in my job as a, uh, as an investigator, I also been volunteering at the Jackie Joyner Kersey Foundation for seven years now. So I coach. So one of the cooler things that that I come across is that actually when I'm in my own duty work status, following up with a crime, that I actually see some of the the the, the kids and the families that I'm used to seeing when I'm coaching as well. Uh, and it helps strengthen both the relationship that they have with the police because now they got something that's actually relatable. And, you know, when it comes down to situations where you know that, like, this is a purpose, like you have to make sure that you do your part to help these these people out because they don't need to see the things they see every day. And it's our job to make sure that we, you know, effectively reduce crime in our neighborhoods. That's awesome because we try really hard um, on this platform to change the narrative. Right. And to make sure that people know that East St. Louis isn't all what we've been shown to be, but we also live in the reality, right, of knowing mm -hmm. that there are some challenges um, with crime and different things. And I know you just mentioned, I know juveniles mm -hmm. and young people are your passion, mm -hmm. always have been from coaching to the things that you do with the state police. And I know we had a conversation about um, the juvenile dilemma mm -hmm. and crimes within the community. So what do you see with that and what are the biggest challenges and how can we help with that? Like you said, you mentor and you coach, mm -hmm. but there's a whole situation going on with our kids. Right. What is, how do you feel about that? So you can see even as you, you know, read the newspaper or, you know, information gets passed on to you that a lot of juveniles are involved in things that we just didn't necessarily think that they would be or should be involved in. Uh, they're already dealing with, uh, you know, the complications of being bullied. They're dealing with the trauma of things they've experienced and seen. Um, and now <clears throat> in law enforcement, we're dealing and coming across a lot more juveniles that find themselves involved as like suspects in, in crimes uh, uh, between shootings and carjackings and things like that. So uh, it's it's a, a trend that um, I like to think that we do everything as a collective a unit, like not just uh, the state police, but other units. Uh, you've got everybody from the school districts, uh, you know, social workers, uh, people who are specialize in, in mental health and, and dealing with people who are, are dealing with traumas. Like all of us need to collectively come together so that we can, you know, help guide these kids in the direction that we want them to go in. Because, you know, like Whitney Houston said years ago, they are the future. And uh, <laughs> Randy Watson said it five years later. But the thing is like, <laughs> We have to we have to make a collective uh, 
a collaborative effort to make sure that we put these juveniles in a direction where they can be successful and understand the consequence of their action and understand the concept of, of cause and effect uh, and critical thinking because sometimes they're just put in situations that they just don't know how to react and they react the only way that they think impulsively to do, but it's our collective responsibility to try to show them the way so that they can make the right decisions so that they don't have to get a phone call or us having to call their parents to tell them, hey, we need to talk to you because of this, this and this going on. So I like what you said in terms of it being a collective thing, um, because and collective meaning as a community and then collective with a plan, because it starts at home. We all know that we're both parents. Um, And then it like you said, the schools. And then I think community programming. So if we can, in every area of these children's lives, touch them in some way Mm -hmm. that, like you said, will keep them out of the prison pipeline, then there won't be a pipeline. You know, they are not only, as you stated, impulsive, but a lot of time it's what they see at home, what they see at their grandmother's house, Mm -hmm. what their older brother or sister is involved in. It's the examples that are sometimes lacking um, and I think that's where mentorship and just good parenting come in as well as, like you said, with the schools. And so what you have a camp, right? Yes. And so tell us about your camp okay. for the for the children. OK, so I don't specifically have a camp, but the Illinois State Police. Yes. yes well, yeah, that's right. Right. What I mean. Yes, yeah, I know. Yes, yes. I know. Uh, but the Illinois State Police, we, we host a, a youth police camp that's been going on for in excess of probably 13 years now. Um, and each summer we hold this camp and it's at different locations, but the last uh, several years has been in Principia College in Elsa, Illinois. And what we do is we, we we put out an application and that application basically has basically identifying information for the kid. There's nothing like specific or detailed about it. It's like if you, if you have a kid that's between the ages of 13, 17, and you want them to be participating in this camp, just send them now. Just send them now. Give us the application. We'll process the application, make everything, make sure everything's filled out, and we'll send them down. So as far as the camp goes, it's a uh, it's a week long camp, and what we try to do is some of the, the principles that we talked about uh, everywhere between like we try to teach them courage, try to teach them self discipline, critical thinking. Uh, we challenge them. Uh, it's kind of like military yet police academy type oriented. So the first couple of hours is very like an an indoctrination to what they are going to do as opposed to what they're used to doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge for a lot of them. Um, And a lot of them accept the challenge. A lot of them fall in. A lot of them fall in with the discipline. Throughout the week, we have different classes for them. We teach them, you know, some of the topics you talk about on your show. And we talk to them about uh, trauma. We talk to them about uh, mental health and awareness. We talk to them about uh, law and order. Uh, you know, you know, thir- certain things you should do. You know, when you are, you know, approached by the police. Uh, again, we talk to them about, uh, you know, being financially independent as well. Uh, we also do drill. We do military drill with them as well. We also do physical training. So each morning. They have to get up uh, when we tell them to get up. And what they have to do is they have to be dressed within a certain amount of time, which uh, what there are a lot of them are not used to. And they have to be outside ready to go do some physical training. And then they have X amount of time to go back to their rooms. 
And then from that point, they have to shower, uh, make their rooms, be prepared for a room inspection, and then be ready to go to breakfast. Breakfast is very uh, organized. Uh, we're marching to breakfast. They line up. They count off to make sure they're from one station to the next, that that we didn't lose anybody. Nobody took off running <laughs> away. So, uh, so it's all structured for them. And in a lot of cases, um, a lot of them aren't kind of accustomed to that that twenty four seven structure. structure. You know, mm-hmm. so so. By the end of the week, uh, we have a lot of kids that are so like uh, uh, excited to uh, graduate, but don't want to leave, which is kind of like the opposite of like the first day when they were all like, you know, wanting to go home for the most part because they weren't used to this type of like, uh, like, like chaos because the chaos is done by design, but it's sort of it's, it's done in order to create some structures so they understand exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And in many cases, we know it's a success because we have a lot of the kids reach back to us. Uh, a lot of the parents reach back to us and they're proud of the the, the product that th- their kid became after that week. So we do feel it's a success, so, which is why we still continue to do the camp each year and we'll continue going strong as long as we can get you know more and more kids to be involved with the camp each year. And I think I came, I came to one of your ceremonies and I think I may have even been a speaker one year yeah. and it was just so good to see. I mean, the, the parents are beaming and they're, you know, sitting and the, the kids are there and they come up and they get their, their certificate and they shake hands and do mm-hmm. all that. And I remember you telling me about the drill, like mm-hmm. the actual physical training that went into it and how a lot of kids, they just were not for it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, by the end of the program, they're like, they were so excited and so happy to actually have started something and finished it. Right. And I think in in this day and age, in this society, especially with everybody wanting stuff so fast mm-hmm. or not being a, not finishing. And I think that's huge for us as a society to be able to say, okay, I started something and I finished it. So whether it's that program, whether it's your degree, whether it's cooking dinner, like people don't understand that there's a process Mm -hmm. and we hear it all the time, trust the process. Mm -hmm. And I love that the program is structured. It gives them something that they can be proud of and they can say that they did that. And they did that with you and the other, you know, people participating. They did that with the Illinois State Police. And it's wonderful that it's been going on for so long. And that tells you a lot. So it's been over a decade. So some of the first class, they're like big guys now, right? right. So what are some of the things that they're doing? Like, did they go into the military or are they police officers? Like, do you ever hear the success stories like years past? I do. Um, and some of the uh, prior cadets, they, they still stay in touch just to let us know what, what they have going on. Uh, we have, uh, you know, one of our uh, uh, alumni was uh, Dominic Lover, who currently plays for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs now. Um, we stay in touch with him. Uh, he's doing well. But he's a, a on a list of many of like successful uh, cadets. We've got cadets who uh, graduated college, um, who went to the military. Uh, we've had some that are, you know, actually trying to work themselves onto state police. Um, but overall, the the success is very good, mm-hmm. um, and we're proud of the success because that means that we're doing the right thing, and it keeps us all uh, pushing. Because the older I get, the harder it is for me to do drill. 
Uh, but it does keep me pushing because we, I, we know that what we're doing is working and it's effective. So uh, it's great to see that they are and they do reach back to us. We've had cadets even just last last summer's class alone, cadets that had graduated several years ago. Uh, came back and wanted to talk to the to, to the group of kids that were currently there to tell them about how about how hard it was, but how it paid <laughs> off and how how Look they at still, me now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how some of them still got their, uh, their the youth camp T-shirt from like 10 years ago. So so that 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 shows that what we're doing uh, is a is a has a purpose and it shows that it has success. So it, for that reason, it, it's great. And, and we, we like to keep it moving forward. Very rewarding. So that kind of segues us into community policing, right? That's a huge thing and almost like a buzzword, but that definitely is programming and things that the Illinois State Police is doing in order to connect to the youth and and be a guide, right? Mm -hmm. But what is your idea of community policing and do you believe that's a good thing? Is it mm-hmm. is it truly genuine? Um, because just from a community perspective, mm-hmm. you and I know from where we're from and just doing the work that we've done, there can oftentimes be a disconnect. Right. So how do we get that disconnect connected? Right. And do you think it's through community policing? Yeah. Well, I do believe in the concept of community policing, um, but I believe it's a collaborative effort from everybody involved in the community. Yes, law enforcement is one entity, but there are so many different entities that make up a community. It's not just one element that makes up a community. South End is not just East St. Louis, you know, no more than just Edgemont is just East St. Louis either. It's, it's going to require everybody from all parts of the community, all different uh, all different parts of the city, all different uh, elements of the city, uh, all different uh, entities that that are involved with like trying to help like you know give the community services and needs and try to help the the the, the community and whatever they got going on whether it's like uh, uh, like natural disaster or anything that would be like you know mental health trauma because there's a lot of different things that are going on with the people in the community today uh, so it can't just be one element but as far as like as law enforcement goes or state police goes. We we know what we have to do, which is make ourselves like accessible to the community. Um, I am and I often tell people in the community, like we work on the second floor, East St. Louis Police Department in the city hall. But no, I give you my cell phone number. I give it to you before the end of the show. But my cell phone number is here. You can come. And it happens on a regular basis. People come to come up there just because they want to talk to us about what's going on in their neighborhood and they want us to see what we can do about it. But we also know that part of that has to be that we have to be out when we're not just like following up on crimes too, but just making sure that we're engaged in the community too. So we have the details throughout the year that we go out and call them proactive details where we go and part part of our purpose is to go engage the community and find out what's going on and if there's anything that we need to know uh, in order to make this community feel safer. So it is a initiative of ours to make sure that we go out and find out exactly what's going on because we can't really serve them if the only thing we're doing is just responding to crimes. The best way that we can serve them is if we go out and find out from them what can we do? What what what's going on over here? Is there anything that we can do to like make this neighborhood safer? Uh do you have somebody that we need to talk to? Because like I'd rather 
you call me to tell you to, t to talk to me about what's going on with your kid than me call you because that means that something definitely went wrong. Something's happened already. Right. So it, 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 it's huge that we make sure that and we stay vigilant in trying to make sure that we make ourselves accessible to the community all the time. You know, it, it's it's. It, it, it takes a lot and it takes everybody to collaborate with this and building those relationships and building that trust is what the purpose of, of what we have to do. And when we know it and we accept that 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 challenge and, and we're built for it. So it's not as if uh, it's something that's insurmountable. We just know that we just have to go out and just continue to just like engage these people. Uh, Get some of our younger troopers to go out and play basketball with them because I, I never not you. No, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I'd be filing for disability if I did, but <laughs> but no. But getting our our troopers in, engaged with the the community is going to be the best way that we can increase and make everybody believe that we're legitimately like vested in the community. I really like everything that you just said. Um, it takes a village because I know for me it was not easy to transition from defense to being a state's attorney. I'm not going to lie, because, you know, you know, that is my core defense work. Um, and then married a prosecutor. But anyway, so <laughs> but, um, it when I came and I started as an assistant state's attorney and I talked to then state's attorney, Bob Hayda, now Judge Hayda, and I said, well, how can we kind of like bridge this gap between law enforcement or the judicial system and, and my community? Because mm -hmm. that's how I feel about East St. Louis, my community, as I tried to reconcile. Now, years later, I loved being an assistant state's attorney. It was great representing the people and, like you said, the victims. Um, and so that's when I started Clean Slate Day. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the very first one, people were so, they were so scared. Like they, they gonna jump out on us. Like, like what they gonna know? Like, is, is this like back in the day when they offer playstations and then you got there and it was yeah. a problem. <laughs> and so we always did it at a house of faith until we've done it at city hall. We did it at city hall a time or two. But the reason why I did that was to provide a good faith bridge right. to say, no, so we're going to quash your warrants and, you know, your cases may be addressed and, you know, you can drive to work tomorrow and don't have to worry about being pulled over and mm -hmm. not making it to work to feed your kids because you got this warrant and you're going to mm -hmm. get locked up. Like, it was a whole thing. And I remember pulling up and the line was wrapped around new life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they came, mm -hmm. you know, and it literally, I can't even tell you how many thousands and thousands of warrants through that 10 year period. Um, I started Justice 101 where I would go out to black churches in the community and talk about being to court on time, not wearing the cannabis shirt to court, like just, just yeah. all the different types of things. And so I love what you said as you were speaking to our mm -hmm. audience, like it can't just be ISP. Mm -hmm. It can't just be the East St. Louis Police Department, the Belleville Police Department. It has to be more entities that come together in partnership with you, right? Right. And then say, you know, it's it's okay to have that conversation. And I love how you said a lot of times you dress down. Mm -hmm. And just everything about you to just be able to better connect with people. Mm -hmm. And I know there's always the challenge, right? Because so many times people of color 
are underrepresented in certain spaces. And so recruitment, I know I've just heard through the years from many, you know, I have family members in law enforcement. Why is the recruitment so difficult? And like, how can we change like the recruitment process in terms of finding officers of all backgrounds and, you know, ethnicities to be able to come on and join forces with departments like the Illinois State Police? That's a very good question. Very good question. So I worked in recruitment for about two years. So I was able to kind of see like uh, specifically and hands on like the, some of the obstacles that it comes with actually getting people to just apply for just law enforcement period. Because when we're at career fairs, there's other departments there too that experience the same mm -hmm. uh, tribulations and trials that we do as well. Um, to answer that question, like, I can't specifically answer that because there are so many different reasons. If I had that answer, I think that I would be, you know, the most famous person in the world because uh -huh. this is something that's going on like nationwide with, with, mm -hmm. with recruitment with into law enforcement. Um, I just speaking just for what we do in, in recruitment is that we go out to different places, uh, not just universities where you would think that your most your closest qualified people are in community colleges now, but military installations we go to. Um, but we also go to uh, high schools and middle schools too, because although they're not qualified now, we do want to talk to them. And we do presentations where we talk to them about like what it takes to be an Illinois State Trooper. And we go over the the, the process of it, like the physical fitness portion of it that you have to pass, the uh, the background portion that you have to pass. And we talk about some of the short-term goals and long-term goals you need to be thinking about and things you need to be doing. Um, one of the presentations I've done in the past where I would show them a fast food application to, to high school kids. And I would show it to them and I let them see what it would take just to even just get a job in the summers of fast food. And they'll ask you for references. And I related that with, with us in investigations because we do background checks as well. And we don't, we don't just take the references you give us. We have to develop other references too. So on that fast food application, if you give a, a name for a reference, of course, you're going to give the, the best reference you have, but what if they ask for that person, for somebody else that may know you, and that may be somebody who may not have the same things to say <laughs> right. about you. So, exactly. so it is important that, you know, we get that word out to everybody um, that we're talking to because, because everybody's trying to get into the workforce at some point in their, in their lives. So from a high school and a middle school standpoint, we want to get them in a position where they understand that all the while, we are trying to recruit them for the state police because, you know, a lot of people are into physical fitness. A lot of people are into, you know, having a job with the purpose, which is two things that the Illinois State Police offers. So uh, we want to get that, you know, information out to them. So even if they're not qualified at the present time, when the time comes for them to be eligible, they can put in their application and be a part of something special. Awesome. Well, we are just so thankful for you, right? And everything that you do and everything that the Illinois State Police is doing um, and good officers that are out here just really working hard, protecting and serving. Um, I would often tell students when I would go speak at schools and they, you know, have their opinions about law enforcement and prosecutors and judges. And, and I'm like, you do understand that without that structure, right? That mm -hmm. we would be living the purge. Mm -hmm. That's right. all, that's yeah. my go-to beginning every single time in their life. <gasps> I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, 
We would literally be living. Mm. I said, who wants to live the purge? And everybody's mm. sitting there looking like, I don't want to I don't want to go outside and somebody with a mask and a baseball bat skipping down the street. Exactly. Yeah. So if we did not have some structure, some law and order mm. and have some societal like balance in terms of that, like we would literally be living the purge. Mm. And because of wonderful people like yourself. We are not living the purge, <laughs> Master Sergeant. So we appreciate you so much. Is there anything that you have to say or ask before we close? First off, I want to say that I'm proud of you. This is a uh, you. an amazing forum. I've watched many of the, the episodes that you've had. And even when you invited me on the show, you know, I kind of followed up with some of the episodes just to kind of see how the flow went because this is my first time doing something like this so i didn't want to completely just like stutter and just like yell cut every time so, um, so but i am proud of you um one just from knowing you um over the last 30 years and i've seen the the, the types of shows that you've put on um that it's important that you're trying to get you know the community involved and you're trying to educate a lot of people on things that they just didn't quite frankly didn't know anything about um uh, I talked to you earlier about the show you had with the Bessies, which was one of my favorite shows. But um, the, the show you had when you had the people that worked at the insurance company a couple of weeks ago, uh, it, it spoke to me because it's again, it's an example of what we do in law enforcement. And it's somebody talking about insurance and explaining to uh, the public on why they should have, you know, the basic mm -hmm. liability insurance, because when they get now, you see how it translates into law enforcement. Now you're getting pulled over by the police and the police are asking you for your insurance. And you say you don't have one. And then you all of a sudden you get cited for that. But so if you don't listen to the police, when we're telling you, you know, now you can listen to somebody else on a different episodes on why you have to have it because of all the liability you can be subjected to. So it goes back to that collaborative effort, which is the definition of what you've been doing with these with your season three now. Yeah. Season three. So it goes back to that because all of your episodes are pretty collaborative. So keep up the good work. And I'm proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. Um, you've always been so supportive. I mean, from coming to fundraisers when I was the clerk, like I said, to being there during my times of tragedy, like the the friendship has been strong for decades and I appreciate what you do. And I'm proud of you. Like, I know you try to, you're so humble and you try to diminish and lift others up, but I am so proud of you. And I just thank you so much for coming on today and for, will you come back? I will, I'll come back. We're going to have to bring him back, y'all. <laughs> there's so much to discuss, right? And so as we continue to celebrate first responders, I would love to have a more in-depth conversation about some of the issues. And so we'll actually have to bring you back for that. Okay. All right. All Sounds right. Good. Well, thank you. And thank you for tuning in today to Pearls and Politics Podcast, where we are polished and poised for greatness and impact. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and you'll join us again next week. In the meantime, please like, love, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye.